0: Welcome to Straight Guy Queer Eye. I'm your host, Paul Yen. This is episode 14. We are going to try something different today. If you've been enjoying Straight Guy Queer Eye or if you're completely new to the podcast, please consider subscribing. I think it automatically downloads the new episode. Share it with five people you know. Give it a rating on your podcast app. You can follow Straight Guy Queer Eye on Instagram at sgqe podcast. You can follow me on my personal Instagram at HelloPaulYen. I'd love to hear from you, so please send comments, suggestions, or feedback to SGQEPodcast at gmail.com. On to our ethics statement. We always start off with an important ethics statement. I completely acknowledge that being straight gives me privileges that the queer community does not get. I know that I will never fully understand the trauma, the drama, and all the other homophobic BS that queer folks deal with on a daily basis. I'm not an expert in queer culture. I'm also not a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or a doctor. As host of the Straight Guy Queer Eye podcast, I'm here to introduce people to shows that I love and enjoy. More importantly, I'm here to listen and to learn about the queer community, and I hope to pass that knowledge on to like-minded people who want to make some sort of difference in the queer community, their own community, and in their own lives. To our loyal listeners out there, I apologize for the delay of episode 14, but if you haven't noticed already, I've been royally sick and was badly congested. Fortunately, I don't have COVID, but it's some sort of weird cold. But the show must go on, and if I sound nasally, now you know why. Seven Queens Remain. Morgan McMichaels was sent home by Sahara Davenport in the most epic uh, lip sync to date. Morgan's parting lipstick message was All you have to do is dream. She put a question mark on it. I agree, but why the question mark? As Raven is wiping away Morgan's message, She says that although she's sad that Morgan is gone, she feels like she no longer has to focus on the both of them and that she can focus solely on herself now. The mini challenge, it's a rock and roll challenge. The pit crew comes out with four black wigs and four blonde wigs, and the queens each have to pick and style the hair into a rock and roll style that's the biggest, baddest rocker chick hair this side of Tina Turner. Rest in peace, Tina Turner. They've got 30 minutes to turn their hair into a glam rock piece of art and the best looking do wins. My top picks in no particular order were Jessica Wilde. She had a very Cindy Lauper vibe to it and I love me some Cindy Lauper. Tatiana, hers had a red streak going through it as well as cigarettes and trash. Uh, she had a whole backstory to it. Makes, you know, Makes me think rocker and Raven. Hers was all black, as usual, but it was just super simple. Makes me think of a lot of the rocker type or hipster hairstyles I see here in LA. My least favorites, in no particular order, were Jujubee and Pandora's. They tied. Theirs just had way too much going on. Pandora's had guitar strings running through it, so if you wanted to play a guitar on the hair, you could. Um, In any case, theirs was just a mess. But the winner was Pandora Box. The queens for the mini challenge are going to transform themselves into, quote, hot rocker chicks, unquote. They will be making their own rocker outfits using their own drag and or provided fabrics and materials. Plus, they will each be rocking out live, not lip syncing, to Rue's song Ladyboy. The Queens will also get one-on-one coaching from Terry Nunn from the American new wave band Berlin. For my listeners out there who don't know, I didn't know either. She sang, Take My Breath Away, the song I do know, which is from Top Gun. And because Pandora won the mini challenge, she gets an extra 10 minutes of coaching with Terry Nunn. In the workroom, Rue pays a visit to check in on each queen. Um, When she goes up to Raven, Raven admits that she's not a singer, but she's confident that she will do well because rock and roll is about stage presence and the genre itself is a way to say, fuck it. She says her biggest competition is jujube because jujube can carry a tune. While working with Terry Nunn, Raven brought exactly what she said she would and Terry Nunn loved it. She even said that she wished Raven was straight. Tatiana when uh rue is walking around reveals that she used to sing in chorus but not really she'd lip sing or sing really quietly and when rue asks why she says because she was constantly made fun of so she always doubted herself and so she didn't believe in herself when she sang and because she was always made fun of she got into a lot of fights too Rue advises her to counteract the negative voices or voice with a more positive voice. Unfortunately, uh, during the coaching session, Tatiana couldn't get out of her own head. She basically shut down and gave up and let the self-doubt creep in and, and didn't even take advantage of the coaching session. Tyra, when uh, Rue was walking around, says that she doesn't know much about rock, so she's going to do a futuristic rock vibe to her look. And while uh, Tyra was working with Terry, she was definitely uncomfortable and almost whispering her song, but to her credit, she didn't give up like Tatiana did jessica wilde uh admitted to rue that she can't sing but says that she has the personality the energy and the attitude and just like raven um she rocked out during the coaching like she said she would very similar to what she did in snatch game she didn't let the language barrier hold her back sahara rue reminds has been on the bottom twice and says that she will have to overcome herself by being confident, letting it out, and not holding out, but reveals that confidence has been an issue in her adult life because she's worried about disappointing people. Another queen um, whose shyness or discomfort crept in during the rehearsal, um, but again, to her credit, uh, she didn't shut down when she was working with Terry Nunn. Pandora Is yet another queen who doesn't sing, but she acknowledges that the judges have asked her to push beyond her comfort zone to think outside of the box, two X's, if you will. And she says this is way out of her box and that she will bring it. She wasn't as confident as Raven or Jessica Wilde in front of Terry during the coaching session, but. She definitely pushed herself, and Terry said what she lacked in singing ability, she made up for in her commitment. Juju B was the final queen um, that Rue visits, and Rue reminds Juju that she hasn't won anything yet, but also tells her that the other queens all admit that Juju B is the biggest threat. Juju tells Rue that she's confident that she can win because her father believed in her, and that's a powerful, you know, belief. When Jujubi was getting coached, she is super confident in this challenge and she's determined to win. After the rehearsal, Terry said she's got a great singing voice and all she's got to do is to let it all out there. In the workroom, while the queens are preparing for their rock and roll debuts, they're each confiding in each other about their nerves. Sahara tells the other queens that she understands that rock and roll is about being messy. But she's been messy and unfortunately it was in her own life which were dark times where she was doing drugs. Uh, She said Special K. I don't do drugs so I don't really know what Special K is. Ketamine maybe? Because the people she loved weren't loving her when she came out. And she was going down a spiral. But it was her drag mother who got her out of that mess. Runway category is Hot Rocker. I haven't been paying attention in the previous episodes of Straight Guy Queer Eye, but in the current seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, the queens normally have a challenge, and in this case, it's the rocking out live, then they'll also have a runway walk with a completely different outfit. But today, uh, in, uh, during season two of RuPaul, there's no runway walk Uh, After the rock out or the, the hot rocker challenge, it's whatever they're wearing during their live performance in front of the regular judges, Merle Ginsburg and Santino Rice. Special guest judges are Terry Nunn from the coaching session earlier and punk rocker Henry Rollins from the punk rock band Black Flag, who's also a badass ally to the queer community. I don't envy the Queen's positions because speaking in front of a live audience is already tough these queens got to rock out and sing live too. My top rockers in no particular order were, oh, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not really going destri- to describe their performance. I'm not a singer. I'm not a rock and roller. Um, I'm a mean karaoke though. But anyways, uh, it it went down how, how basically the rehearsal went down. Um, my top rockers, like I said, in no particular order, Raven, her look was freaking amazing. She had this short blonde wig on, but the tips were black. Like, it's kind of... I've seen it the other way where the highlights, but this was reversed. It's sort of like, think when you dip a paintbrush into a can of paint and only the tip of the brush is painted. It looked really dope. She also did this bit at the end where she called out Eddie Murphy, who was pulled over by the police with a trans woman who was a sex worker. Um, And she called out a guy named Danny Bonaduce, uh, who was arrested for beating and robbing a trans woman who was a sex worker. Um, Terry Nunn called her a rock star and now she wants women because of her Uh, Santino said she uh, killed it Henry Rollins said she used her hair as a weapon which he liked and I think that's a hell of a compliment coming from uh, Henry Rollins and he also said that she sold him completely and they all loved her outfit Jessica Wilde would be uh, another top of mind she's just wild I'm going to keep saying it Um, English isn't her first language But she comes in with so much confidence that the judges and the audience doesn't care. Santino's only critique was that her wig was a bit messy. And then third uh, for top rockers for me was Tatiana. For someone that was so nervous before, she did pretty well. Terry pointed out that she was the biggest improvement out of all the queens. Santino had a thought that um, she was rocking her body, but that she is still relying on it too much. He wants to see her bring it to the next level. My least favorite rockers in no particular order were Tyra. She didn't bring the rocker energy at all. So earlier I said uh, during rehearsal, she kind of had a whisper. She didn't whisper, but she kind of was doing her own thing. Merle felt that she was, or that she came off more glamorous because she was focused on her look. Um, or her looks more than her performance. Henry Rollins basically thought her clothes was a distraction and that she didn't bring the rock to it. Santino says that Tyra was lucky to have immunity this week. Otherwise, she'd be lip-syncing for her life. Sahara was another one I didn't... um, or was my least favorite, one of my least favorites. She had the energy, but unfortunately she admits that she fumbled through the lines rue and merle could see something was up with her terry pointed out that she has to know the lyrics because that's what the audience comes to a rock concert for to connect with the lyrics merle thought that maybe because sahara is so refined that she couldn't embody the rocker to which sahara lightly disagreed and then my third least favorite it saddens me to say this was jujube She had no energy and unfortunately she definitely fumbled through the lines. Terry Nunn also reminded her that the lines are key, of course. Santino, who's normally a big Jujubee fan, was disappointed and said she looked like someone doing karaoke really badly. Not me though, because I rock out on karaoke. Henry Rollins said she didn't connect with the song and Rue said she let them all down. And worst of all, B felt like she let her dad down and um last because there's only seven queens left was pandora i was fine with her terry nunn says she brought it and that she was a rocker on the stage santino liked her outfit and although he doesn't think her performance was the best the effort was there man i gotta say santino is just extra hard on pandora for some reason henry rollins liked her attitude but cautioned her about getting um to maintain the rocker attitude. I guess uh, Pandora was kind of got to the point where she was kind of skipping around, jumping around. I thought she was fine. Spoiler alert. If you have not watched the episode and don't want to know who wins and who goes home, I suggest you stop here. The winner of the week was Jessica Wild. Congrats to Jessica Wild. She definitely deserved it. And she was told that from this point on, there would be no more immunity given to the winner. But again, I'm going to have to disagree with RuPaul on this one. I thought Jessica was damn good, but I didn't think she was better than Raven. And damn, I, I think that would have been Raven's first win, too. A shame. So the safe queens are Tyra, because she had immunity, Raven, Tatiana, and Pandora, which puts Jujubi and Sahara at the bottom. They lip sank to Black Velvet by Alana Miles. And this time, both the queens knew the lyrics to the song. And Sahara brought the pirouettes and dance moves that got her the lip-sync win last week, while Jujubi brought a more dramatic approach to the song. And I'd have to agree with Pandora and Raven, who said that the dancing didn't work this time for Sahara because that's not really the essence of the song. So if you haven't realized by now, Shantae, Jujubi Stays, and Sahara Davenport sashayed away. These are the things that stood out to me. When Raven says, uh, with Morgan gone, she can focus on herself, I really connect to that because, you know, we always want to help the people in our life as much as we can. But we have to realize that some people don't want the help or, you know, don't actually need the help or aren't ready for the help. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we can focus energy on ourselves and for those who do need, want, or are ready for a helping hand. And I only point that out because I, when I call someone my friend, I really want to do everything that I can to help them. But I've got to understand that not everybody wants it. Not everybody needs it or not everybody's ready for it. So I've got to focus on myself. And if if someone asks for my help, Sure, of course I'll be there, but I'm the type of guy, like I'll, I'll, I'll start trying to help people and, and it's kind of, it's not cool. It becomes, is it about me? Am I, am I trying to be Mr. Nice guy because it boosts my ego? I I don't think so, but I've got to realize that not everybody wants help when, when we want to give it, you know, we got to sit and sit back sometimes and wait. Another thing that stood out was when Rue gives Tatiana the advice to counteract her inner voice. We're always going to have self-doubt, everybody, but it's the narrative that we allow to take place in our heads um, that can be detrimental. I know it's a lot easier said than done and I'm constantly working on it for myself, but that's why hearing Rue give advice to Tatiana is very um, eye-opening because Rue is a queer icon and... What I'm taking from the advice she gave Tatiana is that she goes through that too, but she tells her inner voice or his inner voice to shut the hell up. It's no different to what, um, athletes like LeBron James or Serena Williams or Lewis Hamilton or Naomi Osaka does or do, you know, it's fascinating how some people are really good at pushing aside the negativity in their head. And for some others, it's a struggle. I think it has a lot to do with your upbringing, just you as a person in general. But the fact that Rue, someone that is loaded now, I mean, Rue Paul's Drag Race is in Australia, the Philippines, the UK, Canada, uh, Sweden, France, Spain, if I haven't already said that. It's all over the world. So you can bet your ass that Rue is doing really well. But Rue, as successful as he is, probably still has self-doubt, still gets nervous. But, like he told Tatiana, to push that that voice aside and tell that voice, you know what, no, not today. I'm going to try something different. During the um, Sahara interview about her downward spiral, uh, when she's telling the queens that she was doing drugs and, and was just a mess, she said that her drag mother basically told her that she'd become a monster and um credits her drag mother for getting her out of that mess sahara also says that your demons can take you there but you don't have to stay there you can come out and move forward so two things here one sometimes we need to hear the harsh truth it's like a jolt to the body a slap to the face if you will i definitely am guilty of showing tough love like i said before too tough i admit, and. It may not always be the right approach, like I said earlier, and I'm definitely working on that. But sometimes, sometimes that's what a person needs. To tie it, you know, into what I said earlier, you've got to learn to gauge the person you're trying to help. Me, I have to learn to gauge. But, but you know, if you're trying to help somebody, again, try to gauge. Read the room. And sometimes you've got to be able to just let someone get messy. Second, I love the story because what I gather from it is resilience with Sahara, yes, but not just with Sahara, with the entire queer community. She says that the people she loved didn't love her back. So I'm guessing her parents, um, her siblings, maybe people close to her before she came out as gay. But she found a drag mother, a drag family, a queer family, a chosen family um, who helped her get out of that dark place. And, And she found herself again through drag. And that's just so special to hear because no matter what we're each going through, if we can push through, we will find like-minded people. We will find the support that we need and that we crave. And, you know, if you're ever in doubt, listen to this podcast. Sorry if that was a weird sound that uh, my throat made there, but again, I'm sick. I, And just a reminder that Sahara Evanport, even though she was sent home... Um, she was a big inspiration in the drag community. And in case you're wondering why I'm telling you this, Sahara Davenport, again, has since passed away. And again, seeing someone who lived their life truly before passing away is such an inspiration because not everyone can say that. And to hear about her struggles as a gay man only reinforces that for me. She didn't let her struggles hold her back from proudly showing herself to the world on RuPaul's Drag Race. And beyond that, and as we can see through Sahara Davenport, life is short. Being authentic to yourself takes a lot of courage. With that said, it goes without saying that every episode of Straight Guy Queer Eye is dedicated to the brave folks of the queer community, and of course to Sahara Davenport. But this week, I also wanted to send some love and dedicate this episode of Straight Guy Queer Eye to an LGBTQ plus ally named Laura Ann Carlton, who preferred to be called Lori. She was shot and killed by a right-wing homophobic terrorist because she displayed a pride flag in front of her storefront called Magpie in San Bernardino County here in Southern California. She survived by her husband of 28 years and their nine children that they shared. Her daughter, Ari Carlton, said that whenever the pride flag um, in front of her store was vandalized or torn down, Lori replaced it with a new and bigger one. I didn't know Lori, but like her daughter told KABC, quote, I admire her and I'm so proud of her. I know that she passed standing up for something that she believed in, end quote. Be human, be kind.